Genesis chapter 4. We're going to start here tonight, and uh, I don't know how far we'll get, but uh, as we're doing this study through the life of the judges, here we come to Judges chapter 4, and uh, really it covers the life, if you will, the of Deborah, but as well of Barak. Uh, there's <laughs> from what I understand or from what, I'm, from what I've read or what I've, what, I, um, what I've studied is that Barak and Deborah kind of served together. Uh, Deborah was the leader and, and Barak was kind of the, uh, the, the general, if, if you will, per se, if, from what I understand of reading this. So it's kind of both. It, it is the life of Deborah, but it's also it deals with Barak as well. So, Judges chapter 4, and let's begin reading in verse, so we'll go verse by verse, hopefully, and like I said, we may get, we may get through the first point, we may get through the second, I'm not for sure how far we'll get tonight, but let's go ahead and get our Bibles, we've got it open, let's read together in verse number 1, and the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead, and the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin king of Canaan that reigned in Hazor, the captain of whose host was Caesarea, uh, which dwelt in Hasheroth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. Now, number one, you'll see in your notes tonight, uh, is the oppression of Israel, the oppression of Israel. What took place, and, and, and again, I, I don't, I'm not going to belabor it because it happens every time after a judge leaves, but Israel, uh, again, verse number one, the Bible says, uh, and again did evil. What caused the oppression? What caused the oppression the children were in was because they decided to do evil. I believe uh, according to the scriptures that we see here that the oppression caused them to go into captivity. Uh, this oppression, this, this deciding to do evil caused them to suffer the consequences, much like what takes place in any nation of, of the, uh, in the world. Someone that sins against God, uh, they will face the consequences. Sure, uh, we are talking specifically about the, uh, the nation of Israel, but ultimately, any nation of God, any nation that sins against Him will pay the consequences. Uh, any Christian that sins will pay the consequences for their sin. Uh, you think that for just a moment you can sin and do all that you want and say what you will and go where you want to and and uh, do and, and live how you want to and not pay the consequences. You will pay the consequences. Uh, Israel, again, sir, was Eve, did evil in the sight of the Lord, and again, they were oppressed. And again, they were oppressed. Look in verse number one. It says that they sold the Lord. The Lord sold them. The Lord sold them into slavery. He sold them into, uh, into oppression. So what happened was, is the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And because of their evil, because of their sin, because of their wrong, God said, here, take them. Take them. See, what happens is, is when we give ourselves to sin and we do evil, go ahead, 
And it's going to allow, it's going to allow sin. The Bible says sin's fun for a season or, or it lasts for a season. There will come a day when you have to pay the piper. You can get away with it and play and play with sin, but ultimately one day you'll pay for that sin. Yeah. It may not be today. It may not be next week. It may not be next year, but ultimately you'll pay for the sin in which you do. See, they did right, and when they stopped doing right, they did evil, and God sold them, sold them. That sold them means to, like a disciplinary action. Look, when my children do wrong, they are going to receive a disciplinary action right. on their hiney. <laughs> it's going to happen. When they do wrong, they're going to receive it. When the children of Israel did wrong, they received the disciplinary action and God sold them into captivity. Children of Israel dealt with captivity multiple times. In the scriptures. In verse number one as well, the Bible says, Jabin, uh, uh, I'm sorry, in verse number two, and the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin. He was the king of Canaan. But if you also notice in Joshua chapter number 11, Joshua defeats King Jabin. So you say, well, I thought, I thought Joshua defeated him. It is, but it's much like the word Pharaoh if you will. It's just another term of, of a leader. He was Jabin, but it was not the same Jabin that Joshua defeated. It was the word named Jabin like Pharaoh it is today. Uh, king of Canaan. But then you'll also see his captain of the host is Caesarea. So not only do you have the king Jabin, and then also he has a host, uh, uh, the captain, if you will, the, the leader of the army is Caesarea. But later on we'll see in this chapter, I don't know that we'll get to it, we, we may get to it tonight, but later on we'll see that Caesarea uh, was, uh, was a chicken. Uh, he fled in the middle of the battle at the end. Well, I don't know that we'll get there, but he, he fled. Look, in verse number three, this is the strength of the army. This is the strength of... Uh, of the of this this group of people, <coughs> the king of Canaan. The Bible says in verse in verse number three, there were nine hundred nine hundred chariots of iron, nine hundred chariots of iron. And from what I've read or from the study that I've done, I understand that a lot of times the chariots would have like metal pieces sticking out and and uh, all kind of bar they would i mean they were they were fortified uh, good uh, uh oppressive leadership of chariots 900 chariots that's a lot of men of leadership position because not only would you have chariots but then you'd have the footmen and you'd have those chariots leading the way that's a lot of men a lot of men leading the way so the oppression of israel uh, this says in verse number three that he mightily oppressed them. Mightily oppressed them. What does that mean? What do you think that means? Constantly. Constantly? All right. I, there's not a wrong answer here. I mean, I just, what you think? Mightily oppressed them. Rough? Yeah. How long were they oppressed for? Look in verse, in verse, um, yeah, verse number three. Twenty years they were oppressed. Twenty years they were uh, in subjection to an evil, wicked king who mightily oppressed them. 
How do you mightily oppress people? Be mean to them. Be mean to them. Maybe force them into slavery. Yeah. You think about a dictator, if you will, of, of different countries in this world today where dictators are mean and, and mean to their people. And, and think about the oppressive leadership of men that have been dictators over the years and how oppressive they were. And the Bible says that Jabin, king of Canaan, was mightily oppressive. He was mightily, he was mightily to them, oppressed them, possessed them in a mighty way. He was mean to them. He was ugly to them. He treated them terrible and maybe even sold them into slavery. It doesn't tell us exactly what was done, but he did it in a mighty, mighty way. And for 20 years. 20 years this took place. See, what happens when we live and when we, when we do wrong and do evil, you can't escape the consequences of the wrong. The children of Israel, because of their wrongdoing, they had to be oppressed. They were, this was the longest oppression so far. We're in chapter 4. This is the longest oppression they've, had, they've suffered. 20 years. They were 18 years under the Moabites, and they were eight years under the Cushanite, Cushan, however you say that, Cushan, Cushanites. That they were, they had already suffered oppression by these people. Now, would you say they're in a rough way? Why? Why? That's right. No. No. And again, and what, I mean, I, I know that we've talked about it with every judge, but, um, and we'll talk about it when, when Gideon becomes judge next, but the, the children of Israel... I mean, that's exactly what they did. They were right, and then when the king left, or when the when the when the uh, I'm sorry, when the judge left, and the judge was no longer over top of them, and then they went right back to their old ways. Uh, Bible talks about that in Proverbs. We talked about that a couple weeks ago about how a dog returns to his vomit. Look, um, and many times, uh, man, why would you do that? Why would you return to oppress? Why would you want that upon yourselves? Why? And I ask ourselves the same question. Why do we return to the same sin over and over again? Right. Oh, man, I ain't ever doing that again. Man, I ain't ever doing that again. You ever been there? Oh, yeah. Many times we're like that. I know that we're not safe suffering the oppressiveness that they are. But sometimes we suffer things that maybe that we shouldn't suffer by the reason we suffer it because we going back. Keep going back. Any thoughts or questions? What brought them out of the oppression? Look in verse number three. What'd they do? They cried. They cried unto the Lord. The moment that they cried... Verse 4, 
God begins to work on their behalf. See, God wants to help. God desires to help us where we're at. And you say, well, why did God... Look, think about the mercy and the long-suffering and the grace that He had with the children of Israel. Those are still His people. Those are still... Israel is still God's chosen nation, but they have turned their back on Him. Now we're talking 2,000 years have passed by and the Israel, the nation of Israel has still turned their back on God. And guess what? When He blows the trumpet, God's still going to protect His children. God's protecting His children all the way through time. And during this time of the judges, there they were living wicked as all get out, in oppressive, being oppressed by the king of Jabin. And all of a sudden they cried unto God, and here comes God. Because when we need Him, and when we're wrong, and when we confess, and we get right, guess who's coming? He comes. Bible says in Psalms chapter number 46 and verse number 1, he said a song, uh, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Who do we go to when we're in trouble? Who do we go to when we're at the lowest of low and we don't know where to go and we don't have any other place to go? Where else can we go? To Him. The children of Israel were low, been in prison, if you will, for 20 years. What can they do? God help. Maybe we shouldn't allow ourselves to get to that place, but if you are in that place, the the only place to go is up. The only place to turn is, is to the Lord. That verse is still true and will always be true if we confess our sins. If we confess our sins. If we say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm wrong. If we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. All of our... All unrighteousness. Maybe I'll get it right. But ultimately, when I've done wrong, what do I need to do? Confess and get right. Cry out to Him. Why? Why should I cry? Why should I, why should I cry to, to the Lord? He's merciful to us. Yeah. That's right. God will answer. Cry. They needed help. So what did he do? He immediately went to work. In verse number four. Let's read those, a couple verses here, and then we'll jump into there. But. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lebedoth, as she judged Israel at that time. 
And she dwelt under the palm tree of, De- of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. And she sent and called Barak, the son of Ebonai, out of Kedash, I'm not going to, and Kedash Nephliah, and said unto him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel rec- uh, commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor, and uh, take with thee ten thousand men of children of Naphtali and of the children of Zebulun, and I will draw unto thee to the river of Kishon, Caesarea, the captain of Jabin's army, uh, with his chariots and his multitude. And I, what, read those next words with me. I will deliver him into thine hand. Stop there. God told him, uh, God told Deborah that uh, I will deliver him. So let's look. Uh, number two of the enlistment, if you will, of Barak. God brings Deborah into the situation. He brings Deborah in to deliver them because that's what they needed. Uh, and so she immediately enlists Barak to lead the army. Uh, and she needed a, a leader, if you will, to lead the army because she wasn't going to get out there and do that. But God gave her that spot. Uh, to be the judge. It doesn't tell us much about Deborah. It tells us that who she was, uh, who she was married to, and that's about it. Uh, it doesn't give us a, 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 a history of where she come from or who she, what lineage she is of, but ultimately she was there at that time. God gave her for the children of Israel to lead the children of Israel and to enlist Barak to help her. Now, this enlistment of Barak, uh, this, why, why did she call Barak into the situation? Because she needed uh, God to lead the way. She needed uh, God to deliver the children of Israel. Uh, you will see uh, that God was the one who spoke to Deborah. God is the one who enlisted Deborah. Uh, the Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse number 30, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge, and stand in the gap before me for the land, and I should not destroy it, but I found none. See, I believe that God looks for people to fulfill a position, to fulfill a spot, and if he doesn't find somebody, he'll stick somebody in that spot. When God came to the children of Israel, he needed somebody to be a judge to lead the children of Israel, and it just so happened that it would be Deborah. She was a woman. She's the only woman of the judges, but she was a woman that led the children of Israel to win a battle against Barak, to beat, I mean, I'm sorry, to lead a battle against Jabin, king of Canaan, and was to use Barak. Look in verse number seven is the promise. He says, I will deliver, I will deliver him into your hand. What a great thing that God did, how he enlisted Barak. But in verse number eight, so, so think about this for just a moment. Deborah becomes judge. Deborah then immediately enlists Barak, but Barak gives her a condition for him to be enlisted to do that job. In verse number eight, look at this condition he puts on um, he puts on Deborah. And Barak said unto her, He said, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I 
will not go. What a condition. Think. <laughs> All right, Deborah. I'm not going. To, the only way I'm going to battle is if you're going with me. Why? Why that condition? Why do you think that condition was given? It's just a completely hypothetical question, but why? Do you think he thought he would be set up? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Deborah's taking me out there to kill me. He was scared. He was scared. Yeah. Wanted a woman for backup. Yeah. Hey, we get a job done. <laughs> <laughs> and right. And right. <laughs> why? I, it just doesn't make sense. Maybe Barak wasn't, maybe someone that he wasn't someone who absolutely trusted the Lord like Deborah did. I, I'm not saying that that's the case, but just, just totally hypothetical. But he made a choice that says, man, the only way I'm going is if you're going with me. Now, a lot of people are like that. Well, I'm not serving God unless you do that. Well, if you do that, then I'll go with you. I've heard people, and I, I've heard people say, well, I just made a decision because my friends made a decision. Ever heard that before? Well, I mean, it's good that you would be influenced to make a decision because of other people, but ultimately, that's not why I'm serving Jesus. Right. If we're serving Jesus because someone else, man, we're in trouble. Right? Right? Maybe. You know, because women, you know. Especially during that time period. There could be a huge, that could be a huge reason. Well, I, what's this woman telling me to do? Well, you ain't willing to go out there and do it. Well, I'm not going to go out there and do it. Maybe trust her. Yeah. As a prophet, uh, a judge. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is huge possibility. You know? Uh, I mean, there's... I mean, you know, you even look at the situation of trusting the, the leadership, trusting that what she said was going to actually take place. Uh, when when the leadership sometimes... Yeah, are you sure this is going to take... Are you sure this is going to... Well, come on now. And, uh, well, well, come on, you got to come with me to prove it right, you know? And... and and we're not going to get to that. That will be the last point, but the victory that takes place. But look in verse number nine. And she said there was, okay, since you give me a condition, I'm going to give you a condition. And she said, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding the journey that thou takest shall not be uh, for, thine, uh, for thine honor. For the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. Now, so, and then verse number 10, and Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali, which if you'll see in the, in the couple of previous verses, that's where they were supposed to get the 10,000 men, was from Naphtali and the, the tribe, uh, the children of Naphtali and the children of Zebulun. Uh, and Barak called Zebulun uh, and Naphtali to Kadesh, and he went up with 10,000 men at his feet, and Deborah went up with him. But here's the condition. So she, he says, well, I'm not going unless you go. Well, here's the condition. Deborah says, well, listen, uh, well, the Lord's going to sell Sisera. Uh, He's going to take care of Sisera, but by the hand of a woman. You won't take care of her, and the honor won't be yours. 
Because the honor, see, uh, the honor ought to be yours. But because you, uh, for whatever reason, whatever scared or wanted to trust her word, wouldn't have faith in God, whatever that reason was that he wouldn't do it unless Deborah went with him, then God will say, nope, you won't get the honor for the defeat of the king of Jabin, or king Jabin of uh, king of Canaan. You won't get the honor. Yeah, my Bible says, be no glory for you. No glory for you. No honor. No honor. Now, wh- why do you think that? Now, I, now again, this is just another question. I, I don't know that I don't have an answer to, but just a question for you. Um, why? Why do you think that God says, I'm not going to give you the honor for that? For the defeat? Because they win the victory. God, God wins. God always wins. But why do you think, in your mind, why do you think that uh, God gives, God doesn't give him, Barak, the honor for the defeat of the king? He wouldn't take it on by himself. He wouldn't take it by himself? Lack of faith. Lack of faith? Yeah. You ever wonder if God's maybe messaged you, or messaged you, put a message on you or... A, 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 a thought in your mind, uh, something that God's impressed on your heart and that uh, you're dragging your feet about it because this person, uh, someone's, I ain't doing it because they're doing it or I ain't doing it unless they do it. No, uh, we ought to do it because God's asked us yeah. to do it. See, Deborah, Deborah was doing the right thing by Colin Barrick because she was a woman. So she needed a general. She needed a, a leader, a captain of the army, if you will, to lead. And so she enlisted Barak, who God had given to her to enlist. And then Barak says, no, 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 I'm not going to let you go. So if God maybe be, uh, does God impress on your heart to do something? You're like, ah, not unless they do it. No, and your condition. And because you won't trust God, because you won't get on board with what God wants, then he won't let you receive the honor that you could get if you would do what he said. The next person. Last year, somebody else, you know, to lead them. I mean, but it was in her mind, or God had told her to use Barrett. But when he turned her down, or when he told her, I'll go if you go, makes me wonder why she didn't go to one of her other strong Mm -hmm. warriors. I mean, there's there's a message. And that's God wanted him to go. Yeah. Yeah. But he wanted him to go by on his own or by himself and everything. And he he was too scared to go by himself. He said, mm-hmm. Well if God gave you the message, come go with me, you'll be protected, you know. You know yeah. It's it's hypothetical, but uh, it is. It is. I mean, there's there is not a wrong answer, no. not at all. But if you, but in my mind, I go back to verse where where does it say? Um, he says, um, and I will deliver into verse number seven, and I will deliver him into thine hand. In my opinion, 
Deborah says, okay, well, if you don't want to go, Barak, without me going, well, I'll go with you because I know the Lord will deliver us. Because even though he may not have had faith, even though he may not have had fear or, or whatever the reason was that he did not trust that situation, she says, it doesn't matter because I trust the Lord and he will guide us through. And so, no, and, and, and that is another thing too, whether, whether people do or whether, uh, whether people agree or don't agree. Uh, look, this Bible will always be the same. Uh, this will always stay the same. And whether there, there, there might be many that fall, many that come by and say, no, you shouldn't use that. Look, as long as this is in my hand, come on. I mean, it doesn't change. It's not going to change. And so uh, you've got to make a decision whether uh, to follow the Lord or follow man. Right. And so she said, look, we're going, bud, so get on board. Right. And so we're going to go fight, so get, get, get in line. We're going to go fight. Whether you agree with it or whether you think you should or, well, I don't, I'm not going unless you go. Lord, let's go. Let's go. All right, any other thoughts or questions before we close? All right. Let's close. Lord, I love you. Thank you for tonight. Uh, thank you for your blessings that you've given to us.